That song is special to me. That is the song that we have sung over our kids uh, since they were born, since Josiah was a tiny baby. I would sing it in English and Spanish over them. Um, and just that beautiful picture that no matter what you have experienced this week, no matter what you're going through, the hope of the Christian is that we turn our eyes to Jesus and we fix our attention on Jesus. And it doesn't take away everything that you're going through or what you're facing, but it gives us hope and courage and strength to keep walking forward. So I invite you into prayer with that understanding that we are being invited, wooed even, to turn our attention towards Jesus today. Our Jesus, it has been rich being in your presence this morning. And so we fix our eyes on you as we open your word, your living word. May you speak to each one of us. Just as Pastor Case reminded us, we too say, here I am, Lord. I'm listening. We're ready to hear you. In Jesus' name, amen. Every Sabbath when I am here with church family and I'm sharing with you this family has gone through this or this loved one has passed away or this unexpected, unwanted, unwelcomed experience is, is happening to this family and we ask for your prayers. We wonder perhaps together and maybe you've asked this yourself when you're going through things, how is it? that people can be going through so much and be strengthened by God? What does it look like to go through suffering strengthened by the hand of God? Have you had that experience before? Have you had that where you're going through something that you do not want, but yet you find yourself being lifted up beyond your own strength, beyond what you have to offer? You might feel completely spent, and yet here God is, He's so good, isn't he? Here God is holding you up. This series that we're in is called Overcomer. It's, we're camping out in the book of 1 Peter together, and it's focusing our attention on how we truly can overcome. No matter what your challenge or your struggle, you are an overcomer because Jesus overcame. Amen? So Peter says to these believers in this letter that he writes that the Holy Spirit inspired to give to them, which now inspires us today, he says, fix your eyes on Jesus, turn your attention towards Jesus. He's the one that will help you make it through. Because these believers were scattered. They were in these five regions in Asia Minor, likely coming from Jerusalem, Jews and Greeks alike, scattered. 
Now they are no longer connected with the body of Christ in the way they had been before. They are feeling like strangers and they are suffering. And he writes them this letter and the very first part of this series we talked about, he starts with the salvation story. He starts with doxology, praising God for the great power of God in the rescue in Jesus Christ, that we have a living hope. And then he goes on in the exhortations of last week to give them this because you have been saved, you can experience this. Now as we move into the passage today, we're in 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, if you have your Bible, I invite you to grab it right now. 1 Peter chapter 2, you can go all the way to Revelation, and if you get to Revelation, go a little bit to the left, and you'll find it. Or if you find Hebrews, Nearer there, you can turn a little bit to the right and you'll find the book of 1 Peter, which is actually a letter written by the disciple of Jesus to these scattered, suffering believers who feel like strangers in the land. We're going to start at verse 4, 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by human beings but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, and he quotes Isaiah here, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. The one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, and he quotes the psalm, the stone the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Back to Isaiah for a moment. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I'm wondering if there are any Lego fans here in the house this morning. Any Lego fans? It was lovingly and kindly pointed out to me in first service something that I have been made aware of by Lego enthusiasts, that it is always singular. And yes, if you hear me slip into Legos, it's because I've called them that my whole life, and I do love Lego. I will not add an S, no matter how hard I want to. Um, we have big bins of these things. Josiah loves them. He wants, wants them all the time. They come in all different shapes and sizes and colors. It's pretty amazing, right? You can just sit there and you can build and make all different things. What makes the difference is who is building. What makes the difference with Lego is the person who is building. If you've watched Lego Master or any of those other kind of things where you get to witness people just doing amazing things with Lego, it's brilliant to watch what they're able to create. Because in the hands of a master, 
things can become far more than they appear. Here are a few. In Philadelphia, where this guy, AJ, um, was hanging out when we were planting a church and he was going to school, these row houses in Philadelphia, I took so many pictures of because I love it. It just looks, it's so beautiful. But here they are made out of Lego. That whole undersea theme made out of Lego. You can see so many amazing masterpieces. My favorite one that I couldn't take a picture of because it was on display at the um, Natural History Museum, that whole orca whale and the tall giraffe, just brilliant. In the hands of a master builder, these little insignificant, small, flimsy pieces that we never ever want to find when we're stumbling to the bathroom at two in the morning. Any parents in the house? We never want to find them alone, but when they're put together, they make something amazing. Stones cut, taken from a quarry, don't look like much, but when they are hewn, they can create these amazing structures. These architectural feats that I've had the opportunity to stand by and to witness the majesty of these structures that were just all made from stone, ordinary, not looking like much until they were placed together. Let me read again that scripture that we heard referenced by Peter. It's Isaiah 28, verse 16. I think you'll see it here. So this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic or will never be shaken. You see, in building these structures from stone, all other stones are squared by the cornerstone. The stone determined the size and shape of the building. Therefore, all the other stones placed in the structure of the spiritual house built by God reflect the design and appearance of the chief cornerstone. Because you see, when you start with something solid, like a cornerstone that is perfect and complete, the rest of the structure in the hands of the master builder can come together in ways that are beyond what you might imagine when you first look at it. So the scripture describes here that we as living stones are being built up. Well, what does it mean, this term living stone? Ellen White defines Christ as the living stone saying, fellowship with Christ results in likeness to him. It is not a form of godliness or a name upon the church records that constitutes being a living stone in a spiritual building. It is being renewed in knowledge and true holiness, being crucified to the world and made alive in Christ that unites the soul with God. Therefore, being a living stone is equated with being united with Christ. So there's this connection that as we are connected to the foundation, the cornerstone, Jesus Christ himself, we then are able to be built up together, we as believers in Christ, into a living temple, a temple of praise to our God. I, she goes on. You are one of Christ's living stones when you have accepted him into your life as both Lord and Savior. It is because of your willingness to allow his leading in your life that you are justified and given power to live a sanctified life. Now catch this. Since none of us can live a holy life without connection to the true vine, Jesus Christ, 
then each of us is a living stone solely because of a union with Jesus Christ. You see, it's not having your name on the the church record for 50 years that makes you a living stone. It is connection with Jesus Christ. And that's something that's available to you from the moment you say yes to the Lordship of Christ in your life and available to us all the way, all the way through, from beginning to end. His strength, his power, his goodness, his direction. That's what we have in Jesus Christ the cornerstone, the perfect one. In verse six, the precious cornerstone. Because each of us, as I look around today, we are rough stones hewn from the quarry of sin. And through his truth and through our experiences in life, God shapes us after the chief cornerstone, after Jesus, the precious one, so that we too begin to emulate his beauty, that is the beauty of Jesus Christ. When we come to know Jesus, we come to know goodness. In Christ, we have a standard by which all of our motives and our actions and our thoughts can be tested. When we come to know Jesus, we come to know the way. That just like the Magi, those wise ones who came and sought after Jesus to find where he was, they followed what in the sky? followed a star. Revelation 22 calls Jesus the bright and morning star, that when we have Jesus in our life, we watch him and his light in our life guides us through the complexities of what it means to live as humans on this planet. His goodness, his direction. When we come to know Jesus, we come to also know power. It would be little use to know God without the power to serve him. It would be little use to know his goodness and yet be helpless to attain it. It would be little use to know the right way and yet lack the power to follow it. In Jesus Christ, though, we have both the vision and the power. Because his words are not void but will accomplish what he plans and purposes. He speaks over your life and he not only gives you a vision for it, but he gives you the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish it. This family that waited, Gary and Deanna, who waited and prayed, were given the power, the sustaining strength of God to wait on him for the revelation of his work and will in their life. That's what God promises us. His goodness, his direction, his power. There's this famous story from Sparta. A Spartan king boasted to a visiting monarch about the walls of Sparta. And the visiting king looked all around and saw no walls and asked, where are these walls that you boast so much about? His host pointed to the bodyguard of magnificent troops around him. He said, these are the walls of Sparta. Every man a brick. The point is clear that So long as a brick or a Lego piece is on its own, lying by itself, it is useless. It becomes of use only when incorporated into the building. So it is with the individual Christian, with each one of us, to realize your destiny, you must not remain alone, but be built into the building of the church, the living temple of praise to our God. Solitary religion then must be ruled out as an impossibility, a contradiction in terms. It is impossible to live a life of faith alone. We are called to live it together. If you're trying to live a spiritual life disconnected from other believers, you're just a rock 
isolated alone, a Lego piece found in the dark underneath your foot. Stones scattered across the ground cannot keep anyone warm. They cannot provide shelter or safety. They cannot create home and belonging. But stones built up together can do all these things. They can bring praise and glory to the one who created them. They can bring welcome and shelter and comfort and peace to a world who desperately needs it. Imagine how much this imagery meant to believers who were scattered in Asia Minor. Picture for a moment these Jews and Greeks who used to be able to physically see the temple, who had literal priests that they could see before them, and a temple that was a part of their daily lives and that they passed by on a regular basis. Imagine what it means to them who rarely hear news from home, who are not able to see the physical manifestation of God in their midst anymore. Now Peter says to these scattered ones, it's actually you, wherever you are, that's God's house. You are God's priesthood. Don't worry that you're not in Jerusalem anymore. You are God's people right here, right where you are. Gather with each other because you are a living temple to God. You are a priesthood of all believers. Get this, instead of God's presence in the temple, God's presence is now in the people. And Peter reminds them of this. The church, the people, the bride of Christ, no matter how we mess up as the people of God, we are still the community of God's grace and the way God has chosen to manifest saving grace to the world. That is our calling. Christians are determined to be a royal priesthood. Two characteristics of a priest that I'd like to especially point out. The priest was the one who had access to God and whose task it was to bring others to God. Through Jesus, the new and living way, God has granted access to every Christian. The privilege of bringing other people to Jesus is now shared by every one of us. Every living stone is meant to draw others to Jesus themselves. The priest, secondly, was the one who brought offerings to God. No longer needed animal sacrifices because Jesus himself was the perfect and complete sacrifice. Now our sacrifices are spiritual sacrifices. Our work, our thoughts, our actions, all laid before Jesus as an offering. The function of the church then is to tell forth the excellencies of Jesus Christ. By our very lives, we as living stones of the Azure Hills Church must bear witness to this God and Christ who continues to provide redemptive and saving power for us. We get to lift him up. These beautiful stories of scripture here, Peter saying, Jesus is the only cornerstone. Paul repeats it again and again. There's no other foundation. There's no other gospel. In 1 Corinthians 3, 9 to 11, the whole section is beautiful, but I'll highlight just one part. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid in Jesus Christ. He's saying Jesus is the only foundation. Jesus is the only hope. Jesus is the only source of power and strength in our lives. Together, we are co-laborers with God, my church family, workers in association with the master workmen. Now, the beautiful gift is that, like Legos in those hands of the master builder, 
we as stones are being formed and shaped in Christ. We all need each other because God forms and shapes us by that process of being in the same structure together. But he promises to shape us as he is an overcomer. I'd like you to hear a little bit more of the story that you just got to witness the dedication of Samantha Case, but I want you to hear a little more of the story. And um, the living room is being filmed and edited by this guy, AJ Pastor, right up here. We're partnering with him together. If you've enjoyed some of those testimonies. Katura Reed is a master producer behind that, and there's a whole team of effort. Yeah, you can clap for Katura too. There's a whole, I think she's over this side. Oh, right there. There's a whole team, extended team beyond that, that include Pastor Gatra, Pastor Linda, Laya. I think she was somewhere there. Um, we just are so blessed. But what we are humbled by is the stories that we're hearing because it's so moving to get to hear of the power of God in people's lives because you are overcomers in Jesus and that power and strength, you build up the living temple by sharing your story. So I present to you the Case family, these overcomers. We went through the recertification process that took a number of months to, to get ready and, and then we, we waited. We married when we were older and so it was difficult for us to uh, get pregnant and um, have children. So we decided that we would look into adopting children. We looked around at a couple of different foster family agencies. Once we got our home study approved, then it took about six months or so. We had, we had a, a couple of phone calls for a couple of other children. One of them was um, a set of twins, twin boys. We found out that they had gone to another home um, then we submitted paperwork for a nine-month-old little boy, and that one did not go through either. And um, our thought was always, well, God has a plan um, for us and for them, that maybe the other family was a better fit for their, their needs and who they were. April 14, we got a call, and we were asked if we wanted to um, submit for a little girl that had the possibility of HIV. Um, she was three days old. We studied up on HIV and um, found out that um, she had really good chances of not um, getting it. And so we said, yes, we will, we will do this. There are like four stipulations um, that needed to be uh, followed through with that mom couldn't breastfeed, which mom didn't because she was taken immediately from mom, that she had to be on medications for the first 12 weeks of her life. And then that at birth, the bloods could not mix. And um, because she was taken cesarean, she had a really um, low chance of obtaining HIV. And the other thing that we were told is that she had also um, tested positive for meth. Um, her mom and, and dad both had been um, users of meth, but she didn't have a lot in her system. And within a couple of days, you know, she had come down from it. And when she was three days old, they, you know, they said, are you interested? We said yes, and then 24 hours later, they called us back and said, you're picking her up tomorrow. You know, normally you have nine months to prepare for, you know, for a newborn. We had 48 hours. You trust that God had, had a plan, and this is, you know, it wouldn't, this wouldn't have come about unless he had um, 
And, and this was a part of the plan that he had both for us and for, um, and for Abby. You know, she was five pounds, 10 ounces, but she was still, she was tiny. She fitted my brother's arm from his elbow to his wrist. We had to give her medication every six hours for the first 12 weeks of her life. And then um, we had to have her tested um, two months apart. They came back negative both times. So she was, she, she was fine. She's been a, a healthy little girl um, ever since. She never got sick. And I remember the, the hospital gave us bottles of hand sanitizer and gloves. I don't think we ever used them with her, and that was to protect us from getting HIV if she had it. Like Gary had said, it took her two days to come down from the meth. Usually that can take a week or longer. And so she just was a strong and healthy little girl. So then it took um, a little over a year to go through the process of, of finalizing. There was a lot of paperwork and procedural things that needed to happen. And so we finalized her. June 12, 2015. June 12, June 12 2015, right. And it was really funny because in the courtroom, the judge asked us to state our names. And Abby was only 14 months at this time. Um, Gary stated his name, I stated my name, and Abby said, Abby. <laughs> and the judge laughed, the whole courtroom laughed because here's this 14 month old um, saying her name. And I have to say that when we first got her, she had four names in the first week of her life. She had a state name, she had a hospital name, she had her mother's name, and she had our name. And it was really fun and exciting to know that she knew her name was Abby, the one that we gave her. We knew that we wanted to, you know, add to our family. We needed to, we were gonna have another, another child. And so we went through the recertification process that took a number of months to, to get ready and we waited and we waited and we waited. We ended up waiting a total of five years. And during that time, you you do sort of question, one, whether or not you're following God's plan, and, and two, whether or not he's really, you know, is he really working this situation or are we straying from, from the path that, that he has set up for us? And just doing what we want versus what he actually wants for us. It was, again, you know, is God telling us no? Or is he telling us, yes, this is what I want you to do? Because a couple other times prior to this, we were debating as to whether we should switch companies or if we should go with the county or if we should, you know, just stop. But I, I know Abby prayed every single night for a little sister. And um, she kept asking, you know, why doesn't God answer? Why doesn't he bring me a sister? And we're like, because he has his timing and we just have to wait for that. He has a plan and we'll wait for that. So we got a call that they had a 13-month-old um, little girl that needed a home. There maybe wasn't a, a much of a connection at the time. She was very aloof. Um, she just didn't seem to be attached. But, you know, we sort of felt that this was being laid out by God for us. And so um, we then, about a week later, we had her come to our home and she stayed for about four or five days. And you could already start to see the, the change in her. And so after about four or five days, the social workers, you know, called back and said, so how are things going? And we said, you know, we'll take her. And they said, you know, this visit um, was supposed to be a temporary, you know, let's get to know each other visit. And they said, um, we're just gonna leave her there. We're not even gonna come back and get her. Um, she's gonna stay there. 
So we just got notification this last week that we are going to sign um, final paperwork for her December 20. Um, and then we'll have a court date to finalize everything and then she will fully be a case. We, we are, are the, the Case family, family and this is our story. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us and for giving us uh, an active and living example of what faith looks like lived out, the overcomer's life. So if someone asks you, where's your church? I hope you do know the address of your church or the URL and I hope you do direct them. But what I hope you do recognize and realize is that you can point to the people around you. That right now, as you look to your left and you look to your right, could you really literally do that right now? To your left, look to your right, look in front of you and behind you, that you are living stones. You are the priesthood of all believers. That you together being built up into a temple of praise to our God, where we are called together to be co-laborers with Christ, directing people to the saving power of God and offering our lives as a living sacrifice to God in praise. That's our calling together. And as we share our stories, as we overcome, we overcome by salvation and by our sharing of our story because we are then strengthened into this living temple of praise all because of one person who we are about to sing to, one amazing one, our cornerstone, Jesus Christ. <laughs> 